You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to set him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. And so There is a hole in your mind. What do you want? No one here. It's exactly what he appears. Nothing's the same anymore. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why don't you eliminate the entire non-home race? Oh, I see a great hand reaching out of the stuff. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These orders have forced us to declare independence. That's why people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. You are the one who wants to Zahadu who will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Turn around. Very, very slowly. Hello, Mr. Garibaldi. Good to see you again. I was wondering how you were doing. Whether written, called. Shut up. Obviously haven't improved your manners. And welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 5, Episode 10 Phoenix Rising. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the, the Epsilon, Epsilon 3. And the synopsis The standoff between the telepaths, the alliance, and the cycle ends in blood and tragedy. Oh, I thought tragedy was the last episode. And Garibaldi confronts his nemesis. Written by JMS and directed by David J. Eagle, this episode was released on April 1st, 1998. No fool. And takes place on June the 19th, 2262. And the guest stars are Jack Hannibal as Peter, Victor Love as Telepath, Lee McCloskey as Thomas, and Walter Koenig as Alfred Bester. Uncredited are Christina Gavin as Telepath. In fact, uncredited is Christina Telep- Gavin as Telepath. So, guys, what did we think of this episode? Oh, I thought that uh, Victor Love had a great name. And if you look at his <laughs> picture in uh, IMDb, <laughs> it's a sexy looking man. I'll tell you what. That's, uh, that just made me laugh when I was doing the research. But, uh, yeah, Victor Love. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we finally get the conclusion to the telepath war. Somebody, oh my! Somebody gets you on a glass of water. Yeah, I, oh, cool me down. I'll tell you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the telepath war it comes to an exciting conclusion, uh, which pretty much took half of season five, and uh, it, it was it was just so awful and hard to watch, and and the fact that it's over. 
is is so gratifying because it's a slog and Babylon 5 is so much better than this. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it, but uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy it's over. <laughs> Dan always has more insightful things to say than I do, so take it away, Dan. You see, I was about to have something insightful, I thought, but maybe I'm just I'm just checking out Victor Love now on IMDb. I'm, so I'm, I. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling in love with Victor Love. Oh my god, yeah. Man, yeah, he, he aged oh, well, man. didn't he? Oh yeah. Lucky mm. so and so. Um yeah, can we just talk about Victor Love? Just forget sure. the episode. Uh, <laughs> yes. Just, yeah, it's fine. Um God, I mean, even when we were at the point of Byron holding the gun at the explosive oil. We still had five minutes of dialogue of him explaining that she had to step away, that um, Lita had to move away. We're right. Like, we all knew what was coming. Yeah. Why didn't and, and someone nobody, shoot him? Nobody said anything when he had the gun in his hand. He picked it up and nobody said anything. <laughs> no I one just they... thought, oh, let's take this opportunity to take him down. He's the leader of this <laughs> radical terrorist group who have uh, blackmailed the entire uh, you know, intergalactic alliance. They've walled themselves in. They have murdered people. They have done loads of stuff to then... Uh, you know, have a ton of enemies across the station. Not one of them thinks I will. I'll take it. I will take a discommendation and just shoot him right now because he's got a gun pointed at the flammable liquid. I wonder <laughs> what he's going to do next. <laughs> oh my god! Just, I mean, the the point in the episode where there was cutlery all but being flung at Zachary. Uh, uh, just, oh, fantastic! Uh, just made me laugh out loud. I could almost see the strings of all the things being thrown at them and dangled around. Oh, look, the, the telepaths are throwing forks at us. Um, oh my god, it was so. You could see the telepaths stalking them in the back of the corridor, and they didn't take the opportunity to shut. You could see them moving like their shadows going along. You got the shot. You were like ten paces away. Don't get any closer. They're not wearing their paintball gear from season one. They're completely <laughs> exposed. Just shoot them. Um. Ah, oh, just boring, 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 boring. Oh, and Garrett. <laughs> Apart from Garibaldi, I enjoyed that bit, but that's about it. Yeah, that was about the only good part. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, all I can say is, "Hooray!" The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time. Now we can get on with some real stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, finally they go. Oh, and then, you know, I like the way everybody's shooting, everybody's shooting, everybody's shooting. Then suddenly there's you know flammable liquid on the floor. Everybody stops. Everybody stop. Right. And then he gets his gun out to, he says, right, you know, it's obvious what he's going to do. He's going to shoot the, you know, explode everything. Well, hang on, that's going to take everybody out. So, um, you know, a bullet through the head would do it. It's not going anywhere near the floor or the flammable liquid. Just, I don't know, I don't know, throw the gun at him, anything. Just, you know, <laughs> stop him. <laughs> Get, we couldn't Lita jump into his head and say, no, I can't let you do this, you know, and Whatever, anything. I don't know. Couldn't Peter have gone, ooh, I'll take the gun out of his hand telepathically. Ooh. No. <laughs> what? They can, what o- did... they can only do forks. That's it. They can't yeah. do guns. <laughs> and what did Lita see in Byron? They have no chemistry. He's got no personality. Nobody <laughs> listens to the guy. All his people are rogue telepaths, and, and they go off and do whatever the hell they want. And, and then they just got the silent crew walled up behind the, uh, the metal grates, like, not, yeah, not but, a very good cult leader. 
Yeah, but the sex, man, the sex. I mean, you could oh, see and, babies and, and all sorts. And the singing, the singing. <laughs> the singing. That. Oh, that, that was just that was just everything. I mean, mm. you know what women like to look like a lot of candles, make it look romantic, and you know, having sex sex, thinking about babies and things. Yeah, it's in jars and what have you. It's just <laughs> so romantic. I mean, yeah. And, and the hair. I mean, is is long flowing mm. Sherlock, you know. Sherlock, not Sherlock, Robin Hood, Sherwood Forest hair. You know, it's uh, amazing. Anyway, let's get into the review. A few words for those who've just arrived. A colony of rogue telepaths have been unwisely allowed to take up residence here. Since they're all humans, they fall under the jurisdiction of Earth law, and the Alliance has agreed to respect the rights of each member world to control its own people. This leaves it to us. The rogues have engaged in unauthorized scans of several dozen ambassadors. They are now in two groups. They've extracted an unknown amount of privileged information, intending to exchange those secrets for a home world of their own. Since then, they've divided into two groups. Half of them are now holed up and down below. They have reportedly begun a hunger strike which they believe will create sympathy for their cause. This is all fine by me, since it means that Group 1 is already contained, saving us the trouble. Also, the longer they continue their hunger strike, the weaker their condition becomes, the less resistance we'll encounter when we go in after them. And half are scattered through the station. The Bloodhound units are already on their tail. Group number two is our main concern. Group 2, the rest of Byron's followers, have scattered throughout the station. Several Bloodhound units are already on patrol, running them to ground. Several of them broke into an armory last night, seizing an unknown number of PPG rifles and handguns. We believe only a small portion of them are armed. Fortunately, there seems to be little tactical coordination between the members of Group 2. This should make them easier to bring down. Lockley says that Bester enjoys the drama and the chase, to which he says he enjoys being good at what he does. And it's for her benefit. Their job is to protect normals from rogue telepaths. Our job is to protect normals from rogue telepaths. Perhaps now you'll understand why we're necessary. Every race to develop telepaths has had to find some way to control them. Through laws, religion, drugs... Or extermination. We may not be pretty. But we're a hell of a lot better than the alternatives. If they behave like mad dogs, they will have to treat them like mad dogs. That way always works. Maybe so. But I don't have to like your methods. We shouldn't be run down like mad dogs. If they insist on behaving like mad dogs, we have to treat them as such. Look, Captain. You called me, remember? Now that we're here, we'll handle it our way. And our way always works. Because whatever our differences, those rogues aren't telepaths. And that puts us on the same side. We just have to help them understand that. Just then, the elevator doors open and they find a man crucified to the wall with the words Free Byron painted above him. That was pretty nasty. Well, yeah, I wonder, who, I wonder who could have uh, done that. <laughs> yeah, that'll get your home world every time. <laughs> 
But also, he chose to wall himself up. Like, free Byron, he he chose to isolate himself and weld all those panels <laughs> into there. That was his order. Like, how are you not... Free ah, Byron, let him out. Let him out. We're trying. We're welding him. No, don't let me out. Ooh, <laughs> keep the doors. There's a bomb behind the door. Byron's let him just out. behind all the welded panels. Like, I chose to be here. <laughs> yes. You got the wrong message. <laughs> Get him out. I don't want to come out. I'd like to stay in the box, please. Oh. No, <laughs> it's wrong. Um, can I come out now? The candles are burning the oxygen. Hello. Well, oh. this review has uh, devolved into something. <laughs> now, <I'll tell> you. <laughs> Byron contacts Sheridan, who hopes they might be able to negotiate their way out of this situation. Sheridan says that he has given Byron a place to stay, and now the situation has got out of hand and people are starting to die at the hands of Byron's telepaths. Byron says he can help the situation, but they need to get rid of the Psychor first. Sheridan says he can't do that. Byron believes he can get the terrorist telepaths to back off if they can talk to them, but they will be arrested if they leave their sanctuary. Vesta comes in and says they should not believe Byron as he never keeps his promises, and tells him if Byron stays there, they will dig them out, and if they come out, they will arrest them. Byron says that there are other ways. Lita asks Byron what he meant by not keeping his promises. He says, Hey, later. Later, Lita. Bester gives Sheridan an updated uh, report and says this situation will now be over by morning. Sheridan asks Lockley if she has seen Garibaldi since Bester has arrived. She, she says she has not. To which Sheridan says, there is only one thing worse than Mr. Garibaldi being loud. It's Mr. Garibaldi being dead silent. Bester gets to his quarters where he meets Mr. Garibaldi. Turn around. Very, very slowly. Hello, Mr. Garibaldi. Good to see you again. I was wondering how you were doing. You haven't written, you haven't called. Shut up. Obviously haven't improved your manners. I want you to go over to the Babcom unit. Hit the record button. Standing by to record. Touch record a second time to initiate recording. He tells Bester to hit the record button and admit to what he did to Garibaldi when he conditioned him to turn against Sheridan. Now, I want you to dictate a full confession. I want you to tell the whole truth about what you did to me and to Sheridan. What I did? Oh, you mean the part about my conditioning you to turn against your friends, sell out Sheridan to President Clark, and infiltrate a conspiracy against my beloved Psycor? Yeah, that's the one. Now hit the button and say it again. No. This isn't a discussion, Bester. Yes, it is. He has thought about this for a long time. You won't shoot. Don't count on it. If anybody asks, I'll just say it was self-defense. And there's nobody who loves you enough to even question it. See, the truth is, I don't care if I go up for your murder or not. Not after what you did to me. I've thought about this for a long, long time, Bester. And either you do what I say right now, or I'll kill you. I mean it. Yes. 
can't believe you do. He tries to shoot Buster, but he can't. But my answer is still no. So, I guess you're just going to have to shoot me. Bester asks him a philosophical question. On a scale of one to ten. How stupid do you think I am anyway? Do you really think I'd let you run around knowing what you know and leave you free to kill me? What have you done to me? I hit you with an Asimov. He was a writer long ago who wrote stories about robots. He came up with a set of rules to prevent them from turning against mankind. He tells him about the three laws of robotics by Isaac Asimov. The cybertechs adopted them in the early pre-ban experiments, and I found them useful myself from time to time. Before we finished adjusting you, I made sure we planted Asimov's two most important rules in your mind. You cannot harm me directly or through inaction allow harm to come to me i thought you'd like that part it was it was good <laughs> to make it harder for someone else to break the conditioning i put the block in the part of your brain that controls the neural system you can want to kill me as much as you want same way i can say i want to raise this hand but it won't lift up until i send the impulse he has blocked him from attacking bester but has not blocked the rage he feels you're blocked at the point of action. But I left your rage intact. Call it counterpoint. Dramatic irony. Well, I'd love to stay in chat, Mr. Garibaldi, but I just have so much work to do. Oh, um, be sure and turn out the lights on your way out. You know what I wondered at this point? Why didn't Garibaldi have like a a small camera with a microphone on him as well, so that when Bester didn't hit the record button and still admitted it, he still had the stuff. Like it's the future; they have small recording stuff. Byron is still upset that he can't change the minds of the telepaths. Lita asks him about Bester, saying he can't keep his promises. Byron says it's personal. And you shouldn't you should not ask questions that will lead to answers you do not want to hear. She says she wants to hear the answer. I grew up in the cycle, same as you. Do you know my rating as a telepath? I'm a strong P12. But all P12s are automatically designated. Psychops. You were a psychop? Not just a psychop. Bestest protege. He was training me to be just like him. And I was. For a long time. Byron tells Lisa about an operation that he was part of. It was supposed to be a simple interception. We gotten word about a covert operation smuggling telepaths into some of the outer colonies, where it would be harder for us to find them. We surrounded the transport and demanded they turn over the telepaths, or we would use deadly force. They did as they were told. They didn't have much choice. Omega-7 to Omega-1. Blips are clear. Capture transport moving into position. 
he was told to fire on the ships. All clear. We can head back now. Not yet, Omega-7. We got this batch, but there'll be others. We need to send a message. All right. I'll arrange for them to be escorted to... Negative, Omega-7. Lock all forward weapons on transport. Prepare to fire. Sir, they're unarmed. We can't just... Prepare to fire, Omega-7. I can't. I gave you an order, Byron. Execute the order or face the consequences. When he got back, he tried to file a report on what happened. They're just mundanes, Byron. And it's them or you. You wanted to run with the big boys? Now you have to show that you're up to it. Are you? Are you up to it, Byron? I knew he was serious. Knew he wanted me blooded, just like him. I knew they would kill me if I didn't do as I was told. So... God help me, I pulled the trigger. After all, they were just mundanes. So is Byron trying to make Byron out to be a nice guy after all this? When I got back, I tried to file a report on what had happened. But nobody wanted to know. So I left. I swore I'd never let incidents be harmed like that again. Swore to find a better way for us. For our people. Without violence. Without preying on our own kind or letting others prey on us. And, and I don't see how he didn't keep his promise. What promise? They, like the whole story doesn't even have anything to do with any kind of promise at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right. If he'd, if he'd flown away and not shot at the ship, then that's not keeping his promise to, which is, you know, promise to the cycle to do his duty, whatever. Right. So yeah, I get that. But he didn't. He shot the bloody ships. He did. He, he blew it up yeah. real good. Yeah, he's a an accomplice. But he got sad about it. Oh, yeah. oh. he was so very sad, and he wanted to write a very strongly worded letter afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> I was only following orders. <laughs> it... I was only following orders. It, it wasn't a broken promise at all. Don't free me. <laughs> the Nazis used to follow orders when they killed millions of Jews, and it was all right for them. Oh, just following orders. Here we go again. The Bloodhound units are still hunting the telepaths, and the telepaths are losing as they are outnumbered. In MedLab, Garibaldi is asking Franklin about neural blocks for blocking out telepathic implants. But just then, the, tele the telepaths burst in. Garibaldi takes a few down, and it takes three of them to overpower him. Franklin goes down too easy, and the fight is over. The telepath leader tells them to get the president online, as they now, are they now have valuable hostages. Byron and Lita watch the message from the telepath leader. He outlines their demands. He says they will kill the hostages if their demands are not met. Byron said he does not want to, uh, people to kill in his name and asks Lita where, where the hostages are being kept. She says it looks like MedLab 1 and Byron wants to go there. The telepaths get Peter, the telepath with special kinetic powers, out of MedLab, where he is still being treated from the attack two episodes ago although he's not in any fit state. He still uses his abilities to throw things at the security detail led by Zack. They fall back so the telepaths leave Peter to defend the corridor. Lockley has asked for Bester's operation to be shut down by the President, uh, and are still waiting for a reply. However, Bester, Bester still has jurisdiction, so things will be done his way. This leads Lockley to ask the question to Sheridan. Do they want to negotiate, negotiate with terrorists? Haven't they been trying to do that over the last couple of episodes? <laughs> Lita is trying to find a way to MedLab through the corridors and back passages. 
Although why Byron isn't doing it as well, I don't know, as he is rated 12 along with Lita. <laughs> yeah. she's, going, she's going along feeling the thing, saying, no, not here. Goes along a bit further, feels the wall. No, 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 nothing here. He's the same as her, as we find out. So why isn't he doing it as well? No, there's nothing on this side. No, maybe, no. Yeah, speed uh, up the... Maybe it's her Vorlon powers. Gives her an extra edge. Possibly, yes. Although her eyes don't turn blacky ink, so I don't know. Mm, that's true. Byron arrives at Peter's blockade, and Peter lets him through. Garibaldi tries to get through the, to the telepaths, saying that killing innocent people will never be a good message. Just then, President Sheridan sends a message to the telepaths. He says they will not bargain with terrorists for the life of hostages. He says they have two choices, surrender, or they will use lethal force to bring them down. He gives them ten minutes. The terrorist telepath aims his gun at Garibaldi, but is then shot by Byron. Sheridan has been waiting ten minutes for a reply. He says if Garibaldi has been killed, he might not be able to live with himself. Just then, a response comes from Byron. Byron, didn't expect to see you there. How did you... How does it matter? The immediate situation has been resolved. But I need your help to end this. I will arrange to have the hostages released. But in exchange, I want to gather all my people together in down below. Talk to them. Bring this to a peaceful end. That means no interference. If your people or Bester interfere, I won't be able to control them. After we've had some time together, I and those directly responsible for the recent violence will surrender. Lockley agrees, but they will only surrender if the innocent telepaths will be allowed to leave. I want your personal guarantee that the rest of my people, those who have harmed no one, will be allowed to leave the station in peace. And we will only surrender to you, not the Psycorps. They can't be any part in this, otherwise... Captain, this is the only way to end this without further bloodshed. Those responsible for the violence will surrender and the innocent will leave. The crisis will be over. And one way or another, we will be gone. Bester is livid. Lockley tells him that jurisdiction was given to them as the violence was aimed at station personnel. Bester wants the telepaths in his custody, but Lockley says he will have to go through channels. <laughs> Once again... Bester gets uh, beaten by bureaucracy and red tape. You'll have to go through channels. You'll have to fill in a piece of paper. Byron is with his people saying goodbye. He kisses Lita and they all have a group hug. Bester is outside the door. He places his palm on the metal and sends a message to Byron. Byron says that Bester doesn't want, pe doesn't want anyone to know what he did, what they both did. Just then, Lita interrupts him, and they leave. Bester is organising an attack to get Byron. Byron surrenders peacefully, but Bester arrives, and things start to get ugly, and a firefight starts. Suddenly, there's a chemical spill, and everybody stops firing. Byron says it is now too late to surrender. He tells Lita to walk away, as he asked her to do in a previous episode. Lita cannot save his life, but can save his soul. Lita goes to Sheridan and Lockley as Byron shoots the chemical and kills all the remaining telepaths. So now he's a mass murderer again. Bester is upset that it has ended this way, as telepaths should not fight against each other. They should only fight against mundanes. Franklin is looking for Garibaldi and is concerned about him as he was not looking like he was feeling sorry, as he was looking like he was feeling down and asking about neural blocks when they were in Medlab. Sheridan says he hasn't seen him lately. As the telepaths uh, are leaving the station, Lita stops them. She says Byron sent her all his memories 
and contacts and safe houses. She will contact them one by one to make sure that they get away safe. Garibaldi has done some shopping, a couple of loaves of bread and something that looks suspiciously like alcohol. He pours a glass and drinks it. That can only lead us to one question. Drunk again, Uncle Mike? (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. We haven't heard that for at least two seasons now. (laughs) But you know what we have heard recently? This promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. I set him up and Sean knocks him out the park. (laughs) What if you could bring three experienced producers into your home each week to discuss your favorite movies and the people that made them? That's Tales from Hollywoodland. Your hosts, Arthur, Julian, and Steve, collectively have years of showbiz producing experience. Their weekly show is a fast-paced, fun, and very conversational experience like spending a good time with your best movie-loving friends and family. Tales from Hollywoodland is available wherever fine podcasts are found. See you at the movies. And on to the little amount of trivia that we have. Bester states in his briefing that the telepaths have stolen an unknown number of PGs. As they were stolen from a military armory, they should have, should have an inventory on file, and therefore know how many are missing. So too. You'd think. Otherwise you wouldn't know any would stolen, would you? Exactly. Uh, Sean, are there any Star Trek connections? Nope, not a one. Oh, I, I'm thank goodness for that, because I couldn't find any either. And I was thinking, oh, I hope Sean's got some. Nope, nothing. Oh, well, there you go. We rattle through that bit. Okay, fine. And ratings. Uh, we rate our, these episodes out of five, because it's Babylon 5, and IMDb have dropped their rating a little here to 6.9. Oh, no. Sean. That's, that's actually lower than last week's. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, yeah, okay, yeah. That, well, it's, you could say it's just as bad, really. The, the content of the same amount of um, telepaths, the same content of telepaths. This one had way more telepaths in it and, and no Londo and Jakar. So <laughs> really, um, because it's the end of the telepath story, I have to give it a five. But... <laughs> <laughs> But because it was so god awful to watch, I, I can really only realistically give it like a a two point two five. It was horrible. It was awful. Nothing made sense. Uh, you know, you, you can really tell that uh, JMS was struggling for uh, storylines for season five because this telepath thing lasted way too long. Uh, half the stuff that happened in the episodes didn't make any sense just like you said in trivia an unknown amount of weapons that doesn't make sense of course you know how many weapons are in your storage lockers like it's it's exhausting you guys so yeah i I can't even give it like a 2.5 it's it's bloody awful so 2.25 and that that's it and i'm so glad it's over and i never want to remember byron again I, I mean, I'm just looking at your scores from the from the last few weeks. You've got one of your top ten episodes in uh, a view from the gallery, and then you drop three. You drop into three episode run of the worst episode you've ever seen. So the top <laughs> into your bottom five, you've dropped a couple, and then the worst episode ever uh, you, you've marked, which was uh, Strange Relations, and then you sort of last couple of episodes have been not too bad. You know, they've often been been up around your average. 
which is around about 3.6 is your average. Yeah. And then we drop back into the top 10 again. The top 10? Bottom 10. So, yeah, there's been quite a bad run here. Hopefully yeah. things will get better in a couple and, of weeks. Yeah, like like I warned Dan months ago. <laughs> like, you haven't seen season yeah. five, and you're you're going to be sad that you have. <laughs> yeah, you warned me right at the very beginning of this whole journey, and I, I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so go on, Dan. What did you, you think of this episode? Yeah, <laughs> I paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it it just the episode just felt so much longer than it should have been. Like we said, like the the fact he's got the gun in the hand, everybody knows exactly what he's going to do. And I thought that they were going to do something clever, you know, have Lita freeze time, you know, in a temporal kind of way, kind of like a, you know, everyone out there, all of the death squads, all of Sheridan's men, they were all going to be frozen because they're perceiving it in a different way. And she slows down time. And, you know, remember when all of the telepaths ganged up and they were made themselves invisible so Bester couldn't see them, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, seasons and seasons ago. I thought they were going to do that again. I thought that they would like he would shoot it, make an explosion. But then he kind of like moves them out the way before they actually saw. They think they saw them die in the explosion. Turns out they're just hiding on another ship. And then Lita found some other way of smuggling them out. Or uh, they, you know, because they were being or they were holding Franklin hostage. Franklin still knows people who know how to smuggle people out. And they were going to use it like a smart way out. It would have meant that Byron survives. And obviously that could mean that he comes back. So I don't like that outcome. But I would have I was expecting something smart. And we didn't get it. And we just got something very dull in its place. I like that. I like that idea. Because if, if Byron's aiming the gun at the you know, liquid, he says, right, you know, everybody freeze. I'm going to shoot. And Lita says, you know, he says to Lita, walk away. I've told you to walk away. And she goes, oh, my God, oh, my God. As she walks mm-hmm. away, she makes herself invisible by making everybody in the room not see her because she's a 12 and she can do that. Turns yeah. around, knocks the gun out of his hand. Dumb. Dumb. She could do t- so many things. Like yeah. she's already got all these superpowers. DMS was so tired of the pe- the telepath himself. He's like, <laughs> I'm not doing anything clever. I just need this part to be over with. I, I got another ten. Even episodes he was bored of it. Yeah. yeah, that would have been funny if it, because they, you've seen the guy crucified in the lift, and it says Free Byron. If you'd found like a telepath, you know, around the corner somewhere, crucified to a wall with, uh, you know, Byron must die. it's just a question of who you listen to that's all it is and and also like so now all the the telepaths who did survive the explosion who are now going off and then going off to the safe houses and things they're following byron even though byron just killed a whole load of their best buddies in a pretty much pointless exercise knowing full well they could have hidden themselves using their telepathic powers so I don't get how he becomes this saintly remember Byron figure thing that they're building up. Don't because... try to make sense of it. <laughs> if if he killed himself, okay, but he killed himself and a That's, bunch of other telepaths. Yeah. It just makes no sense why they would want it's, to follow him. I mean, he's a total cult. Okay, so yeah, 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 it's, it's a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think three of those letters are still in the word. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so I'm. I'm just going to go for a two out of five. I'm just, I'm bored at this point. It only gets a two because it finally ends the the telepath story. And I hope we get something better in uh, whatever they're building up with all these attacks. Um, yeah. I, I, I suppose Garibaldi turning back to the drink, you know, it's a tragic story and this sort of thing. And again, I wanted more smart solutions, you know, maybe using Jakar's eye to record it or something like, yeah, Jakar gets back on the station. <laughs> 
and yeah. they, they leave the eyeball you know yeah. watching what's going on or something like that um you know i'm sure jakar owes garibaldi i wanted a smarter episode that's why it just gets a two out of five from me yeah yeah i i agree with you here um unfortunately at the when i uh do these notes when i write my notes i normally write a uh a quick, I put my score down then uh, and see whether I'm going to get influenced by you guys. Uh, this week I forgot to do that. So <laughs> I've been trying to remember just how bad this is. And I watched this a couple of weeks ago. So I was, I was uh, trying to get ahead of the game. It was bad. And it was bad. Uh, I mean, the fact that I can remember the end bit mm-hmm. um, and not much else, <laughs> really. And it's only when I was reading the uh, the, you know, the, the write up there. Uh, that I remembered bits of it, but it's yes, it's a forgettable episode. It, it is a hooray, they've gone. Um, so yeah, it's not a good one, but it, as Sean says, it is a good one because <laughs> hooray, they're, they're dead, they've gone. I'm torn. I mean, did I give it a low one because I hate it, or it's medium ish because it's good because they've gone, but. No, of course not. It's going, it's going down, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's, it's got. I think I'm going to go with Dan. It's got to be a two because uh, it's got to go in the bottom ten. I don't oh, want yeah, to watch this one again. I, I want to skip this in the rewatch. So. Oh. so yeah, there you go. Okay, so I think that's the end of this episode. I hope so. <laughs> yes, let's, <laughs> let's swiftly move on. Uh, join us again next week when we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 11, The Ragged Edge. I'm interested, and I think everybody is interested, in uh, the three laws of robotics. Could you explain those? Well, back in 1939, I began writing robot stories. And by the time I'd written two and three, there was a pattern in these stories which John Campbell, the editor of Astounding Science Fiction and my literary father, pointed out to me. He said, I was having my robots behave as though they were guided by three laws. The first law was that a robot couldn't hurt a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. The second law was that a robot had to obey orders given it by human beings, provided that didn't conflict with the first law. And the third law was that a robot had to uh, protect its own existence, except where that would conflict with the first two laws. And after that, I always used them, and the stories evolved out of those three laws, out of the, the uh, mutual contradictions, out of the ambivalences, the incongruities, and so on. And well, the interesting thing is that uh, scientists say that when robots are built, that they may be built according to these laws, and also that almost all science fiction writers have adopted them as well in their stories. That's true about the science fiction writers adopting them. They are not taken for granted. No writer actually quotes them except myself. But the readers are so used to it now that they know it and they take it for granted. And they, somebody writing in an architectural journal pointed out that these laws hold for tools generally. Number one, a tool must be safe to use. And two, provided it is safe to use, it's got to do what you want it to do. And third, provided it is safe to use and it does what you want to, it's got to last. But could your three laws of robotics be overloaded on the side of humanism? Uh, uh, there are those who believe that the machines we create are going to be Frankensteins. 
Well, of course, the three laws of robotics were originally invented by me in order to avoid the Frankenstein motive because before I wrote my stories, most robot stories were filled with this Frankenstein bit about the robot destroying its creator. There are some things that men were not meant to know. However, having worked with the three laws for now, for 35 years practically, I was asked to write a robot story to end all robot stories, so I wrote one in which robots became so intelligent that by any reasonable definition, they defined themselves as human beings, you see. So that now the three laws of robots be, robotics became the three laws of humanics. And we're right back to the Frankenstein motif. <laughs> I received letters from readers saying, does this mean you're never going to write me more robot stories? And I wrote back saying, don't worry, if I think of a good robot story, I'll write it anyway. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.